Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Together, a Brighton and Ove Albion podcast. Uh, we are definitely coming to the end of this season's uh, run, um, and I'm not really sure what's what's next uh, for this podcast, but I do know what's now. Um, and what we've got this week is uh, an end-of-season wrap-up, as advertised. Uh, we cover the Hewton sacking, obviously, because it's a huge... Um, a huge piece of news that broke before or rather just after the uh the podcast last week um and we also cover the uh the breaking news that happened halfway through the podcast uh as i recorded the call yesterday at saturday at around 12 o'clock eastern um the news broke just about every news article there is uh that graham potter had turned down or chose not to re-sign the contract with swansea um and was under talks with us and i'm not sure where he will be um at the release of this podcast uh but there's a very sneaky feeling well not a sneaky one at all (laughs) honestly it's it seems to be a pretty straightforward uh idea that he may well be the next albion manager by the time you're listening to this tempted to do another podcast next week to delve into the depths of who potter is um but i will say that i'm kind of reluctant to simply because of the amount of content that's already came out on him in the last week or so all very good content um but they've everybody has done a huge deep dive into his entire career so far and i'm not sure whether it's just kind of retreading the same ground for the 80th time so if you want that um if we get him and you want that definitely let me know on twitter i'm more than happy to do a deep dive into him too um but for now uh enjoy the the rest of the show um it's myself it's uh russell who you've heard a couple of times um on post-match analysis and it is mile high seagulls amir um so enjoy and thanks a lot Thank you both for coming on, obviously. Um, it's Especially with the time difference, it's always going to be a bit of a mission. Uh, but I figured the first things first, uh, like we talked about before the show, uh, the biggest piece of news this week that broke was that Chris Hutton was uh, let go from his role as Brighton manager. So let's uh, let's unpack that first and go from there. What's the, uh, what's the thoughts over in Colorado? Yeah, so I'm really glad you brought that up because the one thing is, you know, as you both know and most uh, people on social media know, I started following the club this year. So I didn't have the emotional attachment to Chris Hutton that, you know, uh, Albion fans that have been following the club much longer than me have. So I've been kind of surprised to see the uh, civil war, if you will, on social media. It's like a 50-50 divide. Um, and people are very emotional about it. And I understand, you know, given the club's history and and what Chris did to put them where they are today. Um, but in my opinion, and uh, this is just one man's opinion, just given how poor we were in 2019 and how lucky we were to stay up, that there were just three teams poorer than us. I, I agreed with the decision that, you know, that Tony needed to go in a different direction because had we stayed course, things were, not, I don't, in my opinion, not going to look good next year. So I supported the decision. I realize why a lot of fans are upset. I see their point on why they disagree with the decision. It was a tough choice. I mean, it was a tough, clo- tough, tough call for Tony to make. It probably wasn't easy given the emotional attachment he has to him and the fans that have attached to Chris Hutton. But I think for the club going forward, I, th- I thought it was the right decision. And I'll uh, pass it off to you guys. Yeah, well, I mean, in the words of Fatboy Slim, we've come a long way, baby. 
or something <laughs> like that anyway. Uh, and, we, and we have with Chris Hewton. I mean, he's been, he's been fantastic for us. Obviously, we've had the four and a half years. Um, we all know the, the, you know the narrative of what's happened. He turned us around from an unusual blip year in the championship and um, unlucky in that playoff season, desperately unlucky, in fact. The following year, we got it. And then, we, you know, his first season in the Premier League, job done very efficiently. I think it was absolutely fine. The second year, I think it started fine. And um, I do think certainly those results, here, which were all in October, weren't they? The three games were all wins in October. That sort of papered over the cracks a bit because I was, all, I was at all three of those games including the Newcastle away match. And we were pretty terrible at Newcastle. It's just Newcastle or worse. And we were a bit lucky in the home games. So I think it papered over the cracks to, to some degree then. And um, obviously what's happened since the new year has been pretty terrible, hasn't it? There's no two ways about it. There's no way of dressing it up as anything other than awful. Um, and I think we it just looks like we lost our way. It looked like the players weren't... I'm not sure they dropped down tools, but I think they'd... They'd lost their way. They'd lost their faith in the manager, perhaps. Certainly lost a little bit of faith in themselves. And even the, the things we were good at, like the defending, were starting to go badly wrong. We were making basic mistakes that those guys are just not used, usually making. Yeah, um, I think that's very well put. For the four and a half years we had him, like he was excellent. But the last last six to eight months, there was definitely a, uh, a downturn on the horizon. And then once 2019 hit, it was horrific. Um, I remember on the very old message board that me and you used to post on Russ that I was absolutely gutted that we didn't get Tim Sherwood and got Hewton instead. Oh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> what a what a horrible bit of revisionist that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a benefit of hindsight, isn't it? A wonderful thing. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but he, he has done a cracking job for us. But I, I do think the time is right. Really, um, it was. I think it was over a long enough period, and the manner of defeat in some of those games. Particularly when I, I'm not quick to call for heads at all, and I, I wasn't exactly calling for his head, but I was predicting after Bournemouth and Cardiff that the manner of defeats left me thinking, I think I think that's it. He's, he signed his death warrant there. I wasn't sure when uh, that that gunshot would be made, but um, I knew at that point he was probably on his last legs somewhere along the line. Um, it seems the outside world, both in terms of fans and the media, people I've spoken to, stuff I've read in the in the press that uh, there seems to be a general shock and outrage that he's gone. Mm-hmm. But it really is a different matter from inside. I think I think a lot of Albion fans are disappointed, perhaps you could say gutted, and in some respects I am as well. But overall, I think, you know, that if you look at it, it was the right decision. And I think we've got to trust, and I'm quite glad we have Tony Bloom to trust in, to make those tough decisions at the mm-hmm. right times. And I think it was the right decision. Um, but definitely not signing uh, Tim Sherwood in was another good decision as well. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking about it the other day, and I think that I know there's been a bunch of articles about it since, and I do think that I was hot and cold every other week with him, but like after the Cardiff game, it was just kind of like whether we stay up or not, um, it, it had to happen. And I know that, Amir, you were, you were over in the US too, and you were watching it during the middle of the day, and it was just absolutely horrific football to watch on the TV, let alone being there. It it, it was it was horrible. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, the Bournemouth game obviously was appalling. Losing to Cardiff at home was horrible. But another thing I wanted to bring up, and why I support the decision of letting Chris go, is given those two games and the whole 2019. In my opinion, I mean, I watched this team all year, and 
I just I, I, I felt he he did lose the clubhouse. Um, there was just there was just no effort there. Even the Southampton match that I went to, I just felt like it was just a dead energy. I don't know. I, I don't know for us. You felt the same way. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. But that's how I, that's how I felt, and that's another reason why I supported the letting him go. I just felt like he got the most out of these players, and there wasn't gonna, wasn't going to be any more. You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it was. I think that's a good way of putting it. Dead energy because it, it something had just gone flat and something had gone wrong. I think. I think football generally, when you've got a team doing well, it's on quite small, delicate, fragile margins sometimes that, that a team can do well. And um, you, you look at how the demise of Manchester United has gone, for example, um, even sort of Chelsea at one point, there, there's sort of a sudden turn. It doesn't take much to to, to break, you know, the, the house of cards thing, you know, to start the house of cards falling down. And then it's really, really hard to turn it around. It's like a, a tanker you're trying to turn around once it goes wrong. Yeah, and I think that I think that that's an even better point when you go to Hutton specifically because one of the only groups of fans that were speaking out in our defence were Norwich fans, and if anybody knows about that kind of turning a tank around situation, it's them. And they, I mean, they're only just coming back from it now, um, and they do attribute a lot of that to Hutton, whether fairly or not. They do really truly believe that Hutton was a problem there, so. Like for me, I agree with both of you. I think that Bloom made the tough decision, but it was the right one. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess now it's just all eyes on who he brings up next. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we, we seem to be agreeing here. This is no good, is it? We're supposed to be having a few. We're all too nice. <laughs> uh, maybe it's so moving on to who's person. next. <laughs> who uh, who who are we wanting next? There's been a couple of names in the in the pot. Uh, Graham Potter we've had on there. Frank Lampard has done the rounds. Um, the charismatic Philip Neville has also been doing the rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's it's a lot of names been thrown out there. I heard your uh, your pod the other the other week where you were uh, going through a number of uh, the candidates and giving your opinion on them. I think I probably agree with pretty much everything you said in that actually. Um, which uh, involved a few, I won't bore people with the details on that now because I'm sure they've heard your other podcasts. But but in terms of the names that are still in the frame or have been mentioned recently, yeah, I mean, Phil Neville, I think, would be universally unpopular. Um, I don't know if he's seriously a candidate or whether it's just people are putting two and two together because Ashworth knows him very well from the England setup. Um, maybe that's all there is to it, and hopefully so, because <laughs> I really wouldn't want him in. I think it would be a potential disaster. Um, but in terms of Graham Potter, I like the idea of him. I think he sounds like an exciting, dynamic, progressive manager, flexible tactics, um, thinks outside the box. He's adaptable with those tactics within games. Um, it's early days as far as English football management is concerned for him, but he did fantastically well in Sweden and he's, he started to do well with Swansea. So I think he's, a, I can see why we've gone for him and I think he might be a good option. Whether we get him, it's down to what the actual state of play is with that one. In terms of other managers, um, They'd mentioned the Eintracht Frankfurt manager, who I have to be careful to pronounce this properly, is Adolf Hutter, I believe, which sounds rather <laughs> too similar to something else. And he is Austrian, uh, so you wonder actually about his parenting there. But anyway, uh, it's, um, it's, I'm not sure. He's, he's somebody who's kind of earlier stage to really grade how he's done. Um, I don't know if he's a serious candidate, um, but he's obviously he's done really well in the Europa League this year with with Frankfurt, and I think they finished sixth in the table. I think, or they're well, it's still going on, isn't it? But um, I think they're about sixth, so not a bad option on paper. Um, I don't know who else is seriously in the frame. Um, I know a lot of the old hands would definitely not be 
uh, occasionally the Allardyces, the Pulises, the Pardews, the Hugheses, all those sort of names I think are definitely dead in the water if ever they're mentioned. Um, but I don't really know who else is out there um, and who we might go for. I mean, Chris Wilder obviously has been mentioned. He did briefly play for the Albion uh, in Mickey Adams' days and he's done a brilliant job. He would be an ideal candidate on paper, but I think we've got a, not, not a cat's in hell chance of, uh, of getting him because he's a, he's a Sheffield United boy. He's settled in there. It's the middle of a project. And of course, having gone into the Premier League um, this season, um, I can't see him changing for the Albion, really. Um, they'd probably be better off be better off staying with them because of the momentum they've got. Um, so, But I don't know who else is out there, really, in terms of um, who we're looking at. Well, what yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you on the uh, the Wilder thing. There's no way. he uh, he. It would almost be a sideways move for him at this point with, as you said, like the big momentum he's got, the thing he's built there. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt are currently sitting in seventh place and they could finish as high as fifth at the end of the season because I believe there's one more game to go. Uh-huh. So they are doing very well still. Um, mm. Amir, I'd love to know what your thoughts on the new manager are because obviously, like you said, you had no real emotional attachment to Hutton, um, yeah. and you really kind of new to the Premier League uh, bandwagon kind of merry-go-round of managers. Um, <laughs> so you've probably heard a whole bunch of names that you've not really been that familiar with this week. So based on kind of a week's worth of research and Twitter and what, uh, what's your thoughts on the new manager? Well, I, my, my, uh, my dream scenario, um, if it was a perfect world, I, whenever you bring up the Rafa Benitez thing, even though I know it's highly unlikely, I would be ecstatic if that were to ever happen. That would be like a home run, if you will, what we'd call here in the States, a home run higher. Um, but obviously probably not very realistic. Um, Frank Lampard, I love him, but again, you know, there's a chance his team's coming up, so that'd be unrealistic. Um, and then I feel like just on this week, I feel like a lot of the Albion fans are very excited about Graham Potter, and they're almost emotionally all in on it. So I feel like if we don't get him, it's going to be, I feel like a huge letdown, you know what I mean? Just because of all the energy that's gone into him, right? I don't know if you guys would agree with that or not. Um, but we'll see if, uh, if you know, how that kind of pans out. But I'm just kind of interested to see, like, how long this is going to drag out for. I mean... Will it be a week? Will it be two weeks? It's like, you know, the longer we don't have a leader, that's not very good either. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but, I'd, I'd well, agree with that, certainly. Um, yeah. I think the, the worry is when you go for your first target, and he does seem to be perceptibly the first target, uh, if you don't get him for whatever reason, there's two problems with that. One is obviously that fans start to get nervy that our, our preferred choice isn't the one. But and then also, you hire out of desperation, and that's horrible. Yeah, exactly, there's that. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. also, the new manager we eventually get will know he wasn't the first choice, which psychologically may, may or may not be an issue, but it's, some, it's an extra factor you could do without having. Um, the only question is, is he the first choice, or is it just the case that other options are we're able to talk to already and we've been able to keep under the radar and maybe Potter's just one of a short list. Um, that's the only thing we don't know. I think we're saying we're assuming he's the first choice because he's the only one that's, that's been effectively confirmed by, um, by the media, but um, oh, by the club, sorry, but um, I don't know if he's the only choice. Um, I wonder if we're looking at anyone else that's available. Uh, if we're talking about people available, I'll just to throw a couple of cheeky names in the hat. Rafa, of course, hasn't signed a deal yet to stay on with Newcastle. I doubt we'd be able to get him, but wouldn't that be great? Um, or maybe we should have a cheeky move for Allegri. He's apparently looking for a new role and a new challenge. <laughs> wouldn't that be some signing? Goodness, that would be uh, 
that would be a definite upgrade on the Vicente transfer, and I never thought I'd see an upgrade on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? He might be a crazy guy that's looking for some really wacky challenge. And, uh, you know, it's, if you don't ask, you definitely don't get. If we do ask... I mean, look at the... Uh, the, the shock of the fact that Rafa went to Newcastle really proves that this kind of stuff can happen. But uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not quite sure that one would. One name <laughs> that I I have seen bandied around for the last year or so under the Albion, and yet there really hasn't been a single whisper of him since we fired Hutton, is Lee Johnson at Bristol City. Um, yeah. He's done a hell of a job there, and he seems to be in the same kind of mould as Graham Potter. Um, but with actually more English league experience. And he's someone I brought up on the other podcast that he would be, I, I mean, I put it on here. Could he make it in the Premier League? Uh, he would be a project manager. And it depends if we're willing to take that sort of gamble. And at the time when I was listing all these people, I didn't even think about putting Potter on here. But it's almost, you can almost transplant the same kind of description to him too. And it's curious that we've not even brought him up yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been curiously under mentioned hasn't he in terms of uh, this this latest debate there was quite a few people talking about him last year when people were saying oh if we happen to change Hewton, um who would you go for hypothetically and a few friends as you know josh from our whatsapp group is uh, have been saying oh what about lee johnson um an up-and-coming manager he's young he's done well um what i like about bristol city is they, there's two or three bad patches they have where they could have got rid of him they didn't stop with him, and it's, it's benefited them because they're doing, I would say, they're upwardly mobile at least and looking like potential um, Premier League qualifiers, shall we say, of the future. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a risk, obviously, because he doesn't have his, his, his football culture, his, his playing days were essentially in the lower leagues, and he hasn't obviously managed in the Premier League. So there's, there's obviously a lot of risk <laughs> to that. Uh, you could say the same for Potter, of course. Uh, but um, it's an interesting option. I wonder if he might be somewhere on that list. I think he probably will. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think that we were obviously, I, we're, looking, we're definitely looking abroad on the sly. I think there's definitely someone, at least one or two people out there that we haven't spoke about in the media that are definitely being looked at. But it's classic Tony Bloom. Uh, we're all looking at one player and then we end up bringing in a totally different one that kind of exceeds all <laughs> expectations. So hopefully he can pull it out of the bag again and not pull a Sammy Hoppier because that would be an absolute disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so those, those are options. I mean, I, I can't think of anyone else. The only other one is if, if there's someone else coming from somewhere like Germany, um, Holland, Spain, there's, there's a few dynamic managers. There's the guy at Getafe, I can't remember his name. They've done pretty well this season. Um, another cheeky one. I wonder if someone like... Um, Ten Hag at uh, Ajax could be tempted. He's still quite new in the role. Is that feasible? He would. He would be interesting. He's done well so far with I think Utrecht and then somewhere else. Um, and he's he's done well in these eighteen months or so at Ajax. Again, it's it's early into his job, so I don't know if he'd want to move at this stage. Um, but uh, that, that's just one other name I can think of. Maybe. Yeah, and I suppose there's one more, um, and I know that you wanted to get onto this topic, so we'll move here. The uh, the under-23s have had a hell of a season in Premier League too, and Rusk has done a great job. Um, if you're wanting to look at uh, younger English managers that are doing great work, he's uh, maybe they need to look closer to home. It would be rather underwhelming from a fan perspective, but I know we wanted to hit the under-23s in this conversation, so why not now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you, do you want to go first, Amir, or shall I say something? Yeah, I was actually, because I wanted to bring up a point. Um, 
what kind of precedent would that be in the Premier League? How often does that happen where an under-23 manager is brought up? Is that pretty rare? Um, I think so, yeah. I can't think of anyone offhand that's done it. No, There's been assistant, assistant managers sometimes, um, but that may just be on a temporary or interim basis or someone that's already got experience previously. Um, but in terms of under-23s, I can't think of any offhand that have gone directly to the main job at the same club. Um, but it, as you said, it would be an underwhelming one. But um, I think in terms of, you know, it's, it's not, a, not a glamorous signing. But he has done an amazing job. The under-23s for me, along with the women's team as well, um, surviving in their first year, those have been the success stories of this season, um, perhaps more so than our, our own uh, senior team. I think the 23s, they, I saw them early in the season at Arsenal. They looked pretty good. They got a deserved draw when it looked like they were going to get uh, robbed of... Uh, of all three points and got a late equaliser and they, they looked a good team then. Um, and I think they've just all through the season, they've been right up there to be in on the penultimate weekend with a chance of winning the title until they lost to the eventual winners. Everton um, just speaks volumes. We finished above, I think it's Liverpool city, Chelsea and Tottenham in the 23s. And bearing in mind that halfway through the year, a load of players went out on loan and a load of under 18s or even lower got promoted up into the 23s team um, is, is actually remarkable that we kept the results going because that's a whole disruption, never mind ages, of players. It's a whole disruption to the to the formula. And for him, Russ to just keep on going regardless was pretty impressive, to be honest. So, who knows? Speaking of the yeah. under-20... I'm, I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, 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 you go. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of the under-23 team, I know it's a little change of subject, but um, what are the chances you guys think that... Uh, Aaron Connolly comes up next year and helps us out? Or do you think he needs another year? Hmm. I don't know. I think it, I think it probably depends on the, uh, on the manager that comes through. I mean, he, he didn't play a single game in the Premier League too uh, after yeah. what, like January or February because he was hurt and he still won their player of the season. I know, He's that was had amazing. a hell of a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, if the... If there is anybody who's ready for it, it's probably him. Um, yeah. I know that Gaia Kares has kind of teased us with the first team stuff and Max Sanders has been on the bench a couple of times. But yeah, I, it's going to be an interesting one. And if we do go for the kind of youth uh, nurturing kind of manager that we're looking at, like Potter or God forbid, Phil Neville, I think he probably will play a bit of a role. <laughs> Will you stop mentioning Phil Neville, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, stop it. <laughs> I know I'm putting it out into the universe a bit too much. He, he who shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neville Mort. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah, speaking I mean, of uh, youth signings, we've made an awful lot of them as well. And this is kind of very specific to you, Amir, but We've always looked, we seem to always be looking at Scandinavia or Eastern Europe. And uh, you got any ideas of any young American footballers we can nick? You know, the, well, obviously, there's not many in the Premier League. <laughs> Pulisic coming up, I think, is a big deal. To be honest with you, I, I, I don't follow the American team as closely as I follow the Premier League. So I don't, uh, I wouldn't be able to give you a strong opinion that I, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't think you're in the. Uh, I don't think you're in the minority there. I find that no European, and, European football is stealing the hearts and minds of the US fans over oh, here. <laughs> a- absolutely, and it's not even close. It's. Uh, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. The MLS is gaining popularity in this country, but it's it's far and away European football. I mean, is it's it's not even close. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> 
Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I think I think that I'm really looking forward to seeing how these young guys get on in terms of uh, next season in their league, but also who can come forward. Just to add my thing to the Connolly thing, I think yeah, he 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 feels like he's he's ready to be sort of bedded in in places carefully in the usual way, sub appearances, cup appearances, that type of thing. Um, it's a little bit of a shame he had to go on loan to Luton and then obviously had the injury. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in particular next year. Uh, Gilkeris, obviously, another. And a few of these lads we've signed and loaned straight out, like McAllister. We'll have to wait and see how they do as well. But um, hopefully there's some good good irons in the fire there. And definitely the club are looking to develop. It feels like we're trying to develop almost like a mini Chelsea uh, scenario here, where you've got a whole load of people in, uh, in the development process, but a load of them going out on loan. Um, leaving us still enough to do well in a 23s tournament, um, but and if that can, if that is what we're doing, and if that can work to even generate some money as well as development, then um, that might be a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that also an interesting point to bring up um, is the retirement of Bruno too, um, and mm-hmm. Glenn Murray probably phasing himself out of first team football to uh, the extent that he's put himself through over the last couple of years and. The whole, uh, as we spoke about earlier, Russ, the no dickheads policy we've had in place for a while. Um, <laughs> who, do we, uh, who do we see as the, the kind of next bunch of leaders? Because I know that there's been some questions as to whether Lewis Dunk is kind of ready for that captaincy role. And honestly, Lewis Dunk may not even be here in August. So I'm wondering what you guys think in terms of who are going to be the senior members that really uh, push us through over the next couple of months. Well, I was hoping, uh, you know, we wouldn't lose Lewis Dunk, but, you know, again, it's, it's reality. It happens in football. Um, with, with, you know, talking about Murray not coming out, then, you know, we're going to count on the guys up front like a, like a Basuma or a Bacardia who, who struggled this year. So it's like, well, I, I hope we address that this summer, you know. Uh, but in terms of veteran leadership, I mean, I, it's, it's probably going to be like a, a, a Shane Duffy or a, even a Matty Ryan, even though they're all pretty young, but they're the stable leaders of our team right now. Assuming we lose Glenn Murray and uh, and Dunk, we've lost Bruno. Um, it's a young team. Um, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how we replace Murray's goals up front. Um, that's going to be a big issue. I mean, that's uh, what that was it, 13, 14 goals that he. I mean, where, where are those going to come from? You know. Um, so there's a lot of question marks. Um, I'm kind of you know, nervous, excited at the same time to see how we address that this offseason because that's a lot of offense to replace. And we're hoping to improve on offense. So we have to add more goals um, to that as well. <laughs> yeah. And I really, I really hate to uh, cut you off for us because I want to hear what you have uh, to say on this. But I do have a little bit of breaking news for you. Uh, the Guardian, the Guardian, and other news outlets are breaking that Potter has rejected his new contract at Swansea, and he is set to sign for us in the coming days, very wow. soon. Wow! Look right. at that! Perfect timing, eh, to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, this is uh, this is being sports um, that are uh, breaking this live as well. Uh, with Glenn Murray on the air giving his immediate reaction, saying that's great news. Uh, we've broken their two million pound comp- uh, compensation. Uh, excess and it seems that it's kind of unofficially official that it looks like he may well be the next Albion manager Wow, right, well that, that's really interesting news obviously for really really good news as well from my point of view because I think he's the best of what seemed to be on offer um, so if that does go as 
It seems to be, and fantastic. I'm really happy with that. And we and we break it live on our podcast, eh? <laughs> I know. What what timing? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll see if this ends up failing out. But it was uh, it just popped up all over my Twitter feed as we were talking. And if this ends up being true. Fair play keeping an eye on the news as we're talking, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. We tend to just come out of nowhere. Um, but, yeah, it seems that he rejected the the contract and he told them that he wants to leave. Uh, sounds that uh, the, the Guardian is saying he's going to bring three of his backroom staff with him, which probably does mean he is going to get his recruitment, too. Um, yeah. So that's going to be a really interesting dynamic with uh, Ashworth. Yeah, that is, isn't it? And with 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 Stanley as well. Assuming with Stanley is staying on, I don't know how right. they amalgamate the two because they're both effectively recruitment guys, aren't they? Um, so I, I, uh, McCauley, isn't it? The guy, his man, Potter's man. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it, it was interesting because in the debate about whether Potter was coming, some people are saying, "Oh, well, do we really want him if he's if he hasn't jumped straight at the chance?" But I think there seems to be a misconception that um, he was. Um, ambling along and trying to play the, the teams off each other, um, the clubs off each other. But I, I think it's a simple case of we asked to speak to him and off, offered um, off, and offered something. The club refused it. Uh, Potter then had negotiations with the club, who obviously wanted to speak to him first. And he's then obviously now just rejected what they had to say. Um, that seems to be all it is. Um, a few people seem to think that he was... Uh, he was stringing us along a little bit, but I don't think that's the case um, from what we've just heard now. So, yeah, fantastic news <laughs> if, if it comes comes to fruition. Yeah. Um, what I was, was going to say was just about the, the leadership thing. It's an interesting one, actually, um, because from what I understand, um, the, the little resurgence we had at the end of the season when we, we roused ourselves, we got the results at Wolves, we nearly did at Spurs, we did at Arsenal and, and Newcastle, um, the Newcastle game, um, and played reasonably well against City. So there was a, a sort of like a mini resurgence towards the end of the season. But I, from what I understand, the word is that that was more a case, not so much of Hewton as the senior players and figures at the club um, got together and kind of roused everyone up to, to do it for themselves and for each other. Um, so from what I understand, Sidwell set up a WhatsApp group with Bruno and Murray and I think one or two of the other senior figures and just, I think, from there initiated this this resurgence that we had at the end of the season to get over the line. Um, obviously, from what we just said there, Sidwell is only doing things from a uh, from a, an outside the dressing room point of view. Murray's at the end towards the end of time, and Dunk might go. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about the number of leadership figures. If we need to rely on that kind of thing again, who's there? I, I agree with Amir that actually Matty Ryan might be a good option at this stage if Dunk goes. Probably more so for me than Duffy, but. Um, it's uh, a little little difficult to tell without being in the dressing room what people's personalities are really like. Mm-hmm. Um, because Bruno, you wouldn't imagine necessarily would have been that kind of guy, but apparently he was. So um, who knows? But I, I would go for Ryan unless we sign somebody back in who we've had before or something like that. I, I can't imagine um, there's a better choice at the moment. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. It depends who uh, Potter brings in as well, doesn't it, I guess, if he comes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If he uh, if if the breaking news ends up following all the way through, it's going to be interesting uh, to see who he looks for because it seems that his team at Swansea was obviously a very young one, um, and that may speak volumes as to what his kind of leadership is like. Uh, we'll have to see, but it's definitely going to be interesting. I think there's going to be more outgoings uh, from us than we've seen in a good good couple of years, um, and I think we'll be getting a fair wadge of cash for them too with people like dunk on the radar of these top six teams and 
him being an English player that's, what, 26, 27, uh, we have every right to charge an outrageous amount of money for him. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does with uh, the amount of cash. So, hmm. Yeah. In terms of signing, do you think um, there's any way of getting Daniel James, who's a highly rated figure, um, who... Man United are interested in a winger. Apparently, there may only be rumours rather than facts, but they're looking at him for 15 mil. And that's certainly a sort of price we could pay for a premium new addition or McBurney. Um, I certainly think if we're signing a manager, um, unless there's a clause in the arrangements that we're not allowed to take any of their players, um, it would be almost inevitable that Potter would want to bring one or both of those in, I would imagine. What do you guys think of that? McBurney being a striker, that is, of course. Amir, to be honest with you, I'm actually re- I'm actually reading the uh, the Guardian article right now. On <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm excited and I'm just re- I'm I'm reading it and I'm uh, uh, sorry, Russ. Uh, I love you. Yeah, buddy, don't don't I- mind us, Amir. Just carry on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just reading about because the, the Guardian article um, is just saying how Tony Bloom has been astonished or obsessed with Potter for it says for some time now. And mm. obviously, and, and he was our number one target and and uh, nothing too much interesting in here. Like it's just talking about what Josh already said, how he's bringing the uh, his assistant manager from Swansea, Billy Reed, with him and uh, his assistant coach, Bjorn Hamburg, with him and Kyle McAuley, who's obviously the head of recruitment. So I'm just I just I was just I'm kind of excited. So when Josh broke it, I'm like, oh, I got to read this. um i think from my perspective though uh i think daniel james i mean i've seen stuff of almost up to 30 million pounds for him um and i think it's really going to depend on what we can do um yeah and i think if i think if potter says like hey this is this is my number one man that i want and he can leave on amicable terms from swansea maybe we can even get a sneaky deal with the 15 million um i mean Salomon rondon Rondon is is asking for what sixteen point five million, um, and the 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 caliber of player that James is is fifteen million would be an absolute no brainer. We yeah. we we should jump on that because um, he you know we need wingers with his Kiedo hurt for who knows how long. And honestly, and he's, like, and he's only twenty one too. He's young, you know. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that would really suit. Potter's way of playing too. He has Solly March, he has Knockart, he has uh, James. If he was to come, he would have a whole host of young wingers. Um, and obviously, is Kiedo if he gets fit again with with the knee problems with him, it does worry me a bit because the amount of young players you see not really be able to bounce back from them. Kazenga uh, Lawalawara, a good a good example. He was never quite the same after he knackered his knee. So yeah, I he think would be probably... a hell of a signing. <laughs> it's probably going to be. The, I think Ischiedo probably. I, I've got a feeling we might have seen the best of him already, to be honest. Uh, for that reason, but yeah, new new wingers to bring in all the time. It's definitely worth it. I think also we do tend to have a policy of signing young or relatively young players um, to because of this deve- developmental mentality. I mean, we get a few fillers in like Murray and Sidwell and people like that. But if you look at some of the signings we made recently, Basuma's what was he twenty two? I think. Um, and uh, some of the other guys we've brought in have been at least reasonably young, still comfortably in their 20s, Chahan Batch and Bacardi and all the others. Um, Bernardo, I think, as well, is, is pretty young, isn't he? I think he's about 23. I might be wrong. But um, So it would fit the profile, certainly the kind of player we've, we'd be interested in. And apparently we, we, we've had him on the radar before, Daniel James and David Brooks. 
um, who went to Bournemouth. So we're looking at the right kind of players. We just need to remember to actually get them in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it was an interesting summer. We actually didn't sign anybody over the age of twenty-five at the time. Russ uh, Bernardo's yeah. now twenty-four. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Solly March is twenty-four, but he came up with us. Um, Knockart twenty-seven. Bissouma's twenty-two. Who we brought in. Uh, Ali Razor's now 25, uh, Lacardia 25, and Donate yeah. just became 26. Um, pretty much everybody we brought in was definitely uh, on the young side, and James would obviously fit that bill because he's barely 21 and a hell of a player. And honestly, I didn't really know anything about him um, until just the other day when I realized that he was the winger tearing Manchester City apart uh, when they played them at the. Uh, at Swansea's ground in the FA Cup, so I'm now immediately on the bandwagon of wanting him in because he was he was a hell of a player. <laughs> yeah, that's that. And, and obviously, you've mentioned Swansea there, um, tearing Man City apart. That's another good sign in terms of uh, Potter, isn't it? That what he what he can do is maybe go at the kind of the big six that we tend to be really reticent in our tactics against. Um, you know, that, that's maybe a good sign. But if we could get James in to help do that, that would certainly help. <laughs> he's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he looks cool. a, he looks a prospect. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I'm not sure what kind of striker McBurnie is for us. Do you know more about him? Because I uh, I know obviously I know he's a striker, and that's about all I've got. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of mold he's in. I've got to confess, I've normally got a pretty. Unlike yourself, I don't really play the uh, the football manager games, and so all my knowledge is only really if it comes, it comes from having first hand views of the players so you seem to know ridiculous details yeah. on some of the guys josh but, uh, <laughs> but in terms of my knowledge of mcburney i've only seen him a couple of times without having looked at him in particular detail and um, from what i understand from what i remember i think he's a, he's quite tall he's about six two or something like that he, i think he's quite mobile quite fast and he's got got good good general kind of balance and um and tactical awareness and that sort of stuff so i think he's got the credentials that could be um, should we say developed or enhanced? Mm-hmm. Um, so he could potentially fit fit the bill. I think I haven't really seen enough of him to to give a full on opinion, but I have heard good things about him from a number of people that have seen him. Um, well, I, same uh... goes, yeah, I was going to say same goes for anyone else in the championship. Normally, I look at the European leagues in more details. I've, I've, for example, the German league. I normally know a fair bit about what's going on there, but I'm really ignorant of, of that league uh, this season. And the Spanish league, which hasn't, which has fallen out of um, Sky's ownership, um, <laughs> so um, I'm woefully under under educated on that one this season as well. <laughs> yeah, he's actually. I just I just brought him up real quick on who scored. Uh, Thirty seven appearances, twenty two goals, four assists, only five yellow cards, um, mm. and he is six foot two. So he probably does play a slightly, you know, more of a Glenn Murray role than an Andone role, and he's only picking up five yellows. So that's. Uh, Probably a good thing compared to the kind of football that Glenn can play at times. Yeah, yeah, not bad. I wonder if we might go for someone also a little bit further down the pyramid, which I know it's not something we normally want to risk doing. But um, I've, I was looking at the playoffs um, over the last couple of weeks, and last night's game, Charlton uh, prevailed against Donny on penalties in the end. They've got um, a, a two players there that have been highly talked about, Lyle Taylor, the striker, and Arebo, who's, um, I think, a midfielder. Um, Aribo didn't really shine in that game, but Lyle Taylor, I could see an argument for trying to make a move for him, regardless of whether they go up in the final via the final this year. Um, he's very mobile. He's he's incredibly hardworking, very fast, and he just seems to have a, an engine to die for. He just into extra time. He was still just bombing around. Um, not a bad finisher, 
He's got a lashing drive in his uh, locker as well. And um, he, he looks like somebody that um, just roves around the pitch when necessary. He, he kind of like a, a really, really fast Glenn Murray, basically. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> which, which sounds all right, doesn't it? Um, yeah, well, it's hard to he, imagine, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, whether he made the transition, I don't know. But I, I actually quite fancy him as a, as a possible option as well if we're looking further down. And maybe we'd we'd be more able to uh, to get him in terms of uh, avoiding competition for signing, shall we say? Um, yeah, yeah. I think we're I think we're long overdue looking at a couple of younger homegrown players. And I know we've looked abroad the last couple of years, but I have a feeling that this may well be the year we do do exactly that kind of thing and look deeper into the the teams that went down or the teams that are you know in League One or or the Championship that are doing some great stuff. Um, I mean, just this just today. Bournemouth have done a big deal for, uh, is it Lloyd Kelly, the left back at Bristol yeah. City? Um, yeah. I think they're the kind of players that we're going to be sniffing around if Potter is the man to come in. Um, yeah. Amir, you've only really been looking at the Premier League, but who uh, who's who's kind of stood out to you as someone that's, well, a realistic, uh, no Agueros, please, um, and, <laughs> and players that you would like to see in an Albion shirt that would better what's in the eleven right now? Yeah, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up. I'm going to answer that question. I'm, I'm going to preface it with another, I think, hot topic that's been on social media that have divided Albion fans. Um, I personally, just from what I've watched this year, and I, and I brought this up to you, Josh, is I, I really like Alexander Mitrovic from Fulham only because I feel like he's a uh, a much improved version of Glenn Murray in terms of finishing and everything. How realistic that is. You know, I don't know. But the main point I wanted to bring up is, is I know like the, the hot topic is the our summer signings from last year and the and the, the, the and how frustrated a lot of Albion fans have been um, this year with them. And the one thing that you know, I think you uh, you retweeted it as well, and so did I, was that one of the um, Iranian uh, bloggers, if you will, had tweeted a heat map of Ali Reza in last year in the um, area de Vizy and then oh, this yeah, year in summer that. league and. I mean, maybe I'm a homer. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It's maybe an area where we disagree on, but I feel like, I mean, the guy scored 21 goals last year in the area Divisie, and the area Divisie is not the Premier League. I know that, but it's also not that bad. So I honest, and, and I've watched him play for, well, shoot, four or five years for the national team in the last year and a half in the area Divisie. And the person I saw this year was not the player I saw the last year. And I don't think it's because it's the Premier League. I really don't. And I could be dead wrong, and we'll find out next year. But I, I, I really feel like um, he wasn't used correctly, you know? Because you saw flashes of it, like in, the, like in the FA Cup semifinal against Man City the last game, Huddersfield match. You saw flashes of, I think, yeah. what, I, what I think he can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like yeah. you saw flashes of what you think, uh, of what, how Andonia can do and. I mean, Lacadia was, was really frustrating this year. But, again, I'm new to the Premier League. But in, in professional sports in America, it's like you don't give up on a guy after one year. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested to see your guys' opinion on, on the future of our summer signings for next season. Because um, it's going to affect what we do this summer. Let's be honest, right? Um, yeah. So, I well, wanted to, I'll, I'll, I'll stay quiet now. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on what happens to those guys going forward. And how is that going to affect who we go after this summer, you know? Well, can I jump in there, Josh? Um, yeah. yeah, crack on. Yeah. I think you made a good point there, Amir, about the, um, about the uh, Jahanbach games. He has been much maligned this season, but I yeah. do think you're right. There's been flashes of you could see 
there's a different player there to the one we're seeing. I think in the City game as well, he had two or three flourishes in that game where mm. he, he did some really cool stuff. And I think he's he's got a lot of potential. I do. I, I can't really comment on last season compared with this season in terms of his Dutch campaign because I didn't see any of it at all, really. But um, he certainly looks like a player that's lacking um, something that that isn't in his quality from within, but in terms of maybe the way we're set up or how, how interaction works, whether he needs time to, to, to gel with his teammates. Um, I agree that I don't think it's so much about the Premier League with him, although generally people who are coming over to the UK tend to need more than a season or more than just one season to get into their stride. But um, I would be interested to see him with a different manager, which obviously we, we are going to see. Let's face it, I can't see him getting sold. Um, we'll see him with a new manager next season. And I think it will be interesting to see what he does. He was actually playing in that under-23s game at Arsenal um, that I mentioned earlier on. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, he was. He and was. He, he showed flashes there as well. I know he's playing against young guys, but he, he was um, showing flashes there of, of his improvisational um, credentials and uh, how sort of directly he can get balls in to the box. Uh, intelligent kind of um, thinking on the spot kind of play, that, that sort of stuff. Um, he was good with that. And um, he, he was one of the best players on the pitch, definitely, in that game. So, you know, he's, he's got a lot of potential. Not so sure about Lacardia. I think he's, he's a player that seems to me that's going to always blow hot and cold. Um, I do think he's more of a striker um, than a wing, than a wide attacker. Um, I'm not sure what sort of chances he'll get next season. We'll see. Um, I think, generally, our signings have been all right. Um, more than people have, have certainly criticised us for. Bernardo's been great. Montoya's been good. Um, obviously Ryan dating back slightly further has been has been great and um, I think certainly Jahanbach has potential so you can see why we've signed him um, and I think you know I think I'm, I'm happy enough with our recruitment policy I just think we do need to, to apply some of those signings in a different way and maybe Jahanbach is one of those um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that um, who we sign who knows it's anyone's guess isn't it we never sign who we think we're going to we should sign. So we probably won't get Rondon or uh, McBurney or anyone else that we're talking about. It'll be someone completely randomly different, I'm sure. <laughs> That's the album <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, 110%. Uh, the the thing with the Dutch league is it's always been very strange, hasn't it? That I feel like that's the perfect way of putting it is blowing hot and cold. And it seems that their signings across the entire Prem do. Um, like Vincent Janssen, when he came over and there was even kind of the rumours of him coming to us at one point and he did absolutely nothing for, you know, the, the Premier League at all. Uh, Kesman, when he signed with Chelsea earlier on in the 2000s, he looked like a good player and did nothing. Um, Memphis Depay, probably the most recent one. Um, and Josie Altador. Uh, you know, there's been a whole host of them that were just signed up. They look the business and just don't do it. And then there are also players like Christian Eriksen and Van Persie and Van Nistelrooy that go on to be kind of club legends. So... I feel like Ali Razor's had a had a hard start and he definitely isn't the sort of player that uh, needs to be in the role that he's in. And I think that for him, um, he definitely gets at least a year's stay of execution um, with, the, with the role he was asked to play and the kind of stuff that he, he was asked to like, perform with, if it is Potter, as it seems to be, um, he's going to... He's going to kind of run out of excuses if he's looking for them uh, by the end of the year because, you know, if... If he fails to kind of bring himself up to the level we paid 17-odd million pounds for, then you can't really say he hasn't had all the opportunities in the world. But 
right now, I think it would be insane to let him go. Uh, Lacardia, however, I'm not convinced will be here in August. Um, I feel like not only I would love to know what his work rate is like in training too, because he has a hint of Kemi Augustin about him. <laughs> um, he's just he just seems slightly too interested in his uh, in his outside pursuits at times with his kind of social media, and maybe that's just the case that he should probably stay off social media. But I'm not convinced he'll be here next season. Um, whereas Ali Razor, you, you have to keep him. Just his youth and the fact that he does deserve that another season with a with a different manager is kind of it would be insane for us to try and get rid of him now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just on the while well, you mentioned Kemi Agustin, I think I've just the one thing that the one highlight of his time with the Albion, and it literally is the only highlight I think, um, was just when there was a player feigning injury right near the touchline in front of the North Stand of the Amex, and he just rolled him off the pitch, which I thought was a fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, he just rolled him two or three times off the pitch, and the guy didn't seem to mind either. It was really bizarre, but um, that was his one his one uh, bit of credit. Playing for the Albion, <laughs> he was terrible. Apart from that, really was. He's bad, actually still in English football, isn't he? He's a is he at Welling? Yeah. yeah, something like that. So how he's ended up in two, three tiers down, or a couple of tiers down in non-league football, which is basically I mean the um, sixth tier, I think he's in of the whole English structure, is crazy. <laughs> he, was, he was with us in the Championship. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, he's kind of playing for kind of like the the academy reserves in the u.s like it's it's a very low standard of football there compared to where he was before which is insane (laughs) (laughs) uh it's crazy stuff but uh, the one one good thing about um this coming summer is that we're going to have more money to spend and not only if i I think you there's some sort of benefit in terms of um year on year when you remain i think you've got a slightly bigger budget in general obviously the positions you finish in help as well but we've also got about 10 million more to spend than normal because amy has been in the club shop a few times uh, (laughs) online or in person i I was just gonna say that i was like i was like my my, uh my stop to the club shop alone in march should at least cover uh, a million pounds or so (laughs) Yeah, you can literally say you're paying the wages. Uh, as, as like to I'm I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part to help the club. <laughs> well, 13th of June. 13th of June. Are you going to be looking at the diary, getting getting your plans in place for your next visit, Amir? It was absolutely, great absolutely. Time. And it's funny. It's I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I just wanted to make a quick, quick. Uh, I know we're probably almost to the end here, Josh, but. I just wanted to make a quick comment here, just uh, again, you know, thanking you both uh, for your friendships and for for letting me jump on the uh, on this ride. That's been a really fun year. I've had a great time. I'm um, I've even got my wife into it now. She's wearing yeah. her sweater. She's wearing her sweater this morning. It made me proud. Um, <laughs> but again, uh, the American movement here has been really, really great. Uh, Josh is a big part of. Of, of that growth. Uh, and I thank him for it. Cause I know it's a lot of work to do these podcasts, but the big thing is, uh, you know, in the coming year for any, anyone that's listening to this, that is in America, I just want to um, give a shout out to a lot of the guys here that um, are help growing the uh, stateside seagulls movement as we're calling it. So look, you know, keep an eye out for hashtag stateside seagulls. Um, if any Albion fans are in uh, Chicago um, we have a, at Chicago Seagulls there who watches games at AJ Hudson's. Uh, any Albion fans in New York City next year, uh, you know, follow at Gulls NYC. Um, they watch games at the Football Factory, and of course, Paul BHAFC stateside um, is in Baltimore. Of course, I'm in Denver. Um, I've already found a couple 
local Brighton fans who live in the Denver area that are going to join me next year. So I'm really excited for the future. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get the American interest going. And uh, again, it's been great how well received I was in on the South Coast. Uh, and a lot of that was thanks to Russell. But I had a great time. I cannot wait to come back. I can't wait for June 13th to, to be able to find a game or two if my wife will allow to, to go to. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Listen, man, it's, it's our pleasure. We absolutely loved having you over, hosting you. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. It's, it's great. The new fans, a lot of people get precious about New, new people joining in later on, but why not? I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. The growth of the sport in the States has been really interesting. I know there's been gradual growth in general, but in terms of the um, the Premier League interest, that seems to be like a sudden surge in the last year or two. Is that is that correct, Amir? And yes, uh, yeah. So it's, it's you know, there's always been... Why, like why? A, why uh, in particular? I think, well, I think I'm a prime example of it. So I, I mean, I always knew the Premier League existed, obviously, but I never watched it, even though I enjoyed soccer. And then this, this being my first year, um, you know, in America, we can get the, uh, the NBC gold pass. It's $50. We get every single game the entire year, which I've heard in England would be is an absolute steal. <laughs> and um, that's helped grow the popularity. And, um, and, and it's just fan like new fans like me. It's that you know we start we talk about it. I talk. I mean, I got my my coworker at work now an Albion fan. It's just word of mouth and it spreads, and um, it's super popular. Obviously, the English clubs coming here in the summertime definitely help because it gives uh, gives us fans here a chance to watch a top. Um, I, I think all the big clubs are coming here. I know Arsenal is coming to Denver this summer to play our woeful. I mean, woeful. We're, I mean, the the Colorado Rapids is the Huddersfield of the MLS. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. So, but so those summer trips help um, uh, to kind of gain the popularity. And, and it's been amazing. Like a lot of Albion fans in America are coming over. Like you see him on Twitter, like, you know, um, Andy's gone over, Paul's gone over. Obviously I've gone over. Jason's gone over a lot of the, a lot of the guys that are part of the stateside seagulls. We're all, we're all going there. Um, and I had a blast. I, I was, you know, so uh, I, I'm excited for next year. I think the growth is going to explode even bigger. So that's why it was, I'm glad we stayed up because, because as long as we keep growing, I mean, that just gives us more money to spend on players. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It keeps the interest going. Paul Barber will be delighted with the growing brand stuff, of, of course, as well. But I mean, joking, joking aside, it's uh, that is important. If we if we go, if we're going to grow the grow the club as a as, a, as a, an entity, you need to have that, and uh, but certainly we've we've been oh, that's helped. And the state stuff is a, is is a bonus. It's great great to have you guys on board. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I and I've I've received like no. I mean, I've never I haven't been treated either on social media or in person bad, if you will, by anyone. I mean, I feel like everyone um, is excited to have you know new fans on board and. Uh, um, I mean, as I told you guys, I'm I'm uh, emotionally all in now. You know, I I I joined, I followed the club because when they signed Ali Reza. But I told you, Russ, and when I was in England, I mean, they could cut him today. I hope they don't, but I'm not going anywhere. You know, um, I'm yeah. a, I'm a I'm a passionate supporter of my teams. My teams here are woeful, and I still stick with them, and I never will change. <laughs> yeah, no. Why should you? And you've you've got blind optimism, which is exactly what you need to be a football fan. <laughs> yes. <out there>. yes. <laughs> Yes. I, in fact, I was actually going through my Twitter messages of like during the Bournemouth game and Cardiff game when I was messaging Josh on Twitter. And I'm just like, holy hell, I was having like a full on meltdown. And I was like kind of embarrassed reading that. I'm like, well, 
Uh, we've, we've, we've got this comedy program over here called Blackadder. I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's one episode where they talk about the, the various stages of poisoning and they then act out the stages. It's quite a, quite a funny scene. But it's kind of like that with football. You probably go from the blind optimism. The next stage will be chronic neurosis. That's coming up soon. Uh, and then, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what stage three is, but it'll, it'll probably be some kind of a weird third uh, the third symptom but uh yeah it's it's it, you're in you're in for the long haul now i mean that's it once you're yeah in, you're oh in. yeah that's and, good uh, to hear and josh josh better keep doing this podcast definitely <laughs> and, like I, and like i told him i think one day he'll be a, a, a sideline reporter for the club <laughs> goodness that would be the dream wouldn't it <laughs> um i i hope they come over here this year uh with the managerial upheaval, I'm not entirely sure they will. It may well be next year if we if we manage to stay up and keep our little run going. But yeah, I think I think it's definitely the fact that football's coming over here a lot more often during the summer. And not only that, but you've got a lot of players coming over here too. You know, like yes, yes. as to, and David Beckham probably uh, thinking about putting a team in Miami and the newer teams that are forming. You know, like uh, Atlanta just a couple of years ago are kind of filling their stadium with forty fifty thousand people. And they're kind of they're they're being very clever in where they're putting these teams because they're putting them in uh, in areas that have a lot of young um, young adults and not only that but a, a large Hispanic population and as we all know the Hispanic population generally are mental about football so <laughs> once Absolutely. you pack those into the stadiums it's it's kind of just uh, build it and they will come. Um, but we are going to wrap it up here because uh, it's my wife's birthday today and I don't want to take any more time up from her. So <laughs> uh, she's been kind enough to allow me to do this in the first place. But thank you both for coming on. Um, this is something that we'll definitely do in the future. This uh, three-way Skype has been incredibly easy compared to what I was worried it was going to be like. So thank you both again. Our pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Hopefully yeah. we can have another one after the summer signings are done. I think that's uh, that's on the cards, and maybe we can have a cheeky one-on-one and wherever we turn up, if the Albion come over too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! That'll be a, that. I, I hope I hope it happens. That'd be amazing. I would. That'd be to, cool. That would be together. cool. And then we'll, we'll have to drag Russ over too. Oh, why not? <laughs> why not? I haven't been to the stage yet, so why not? Got to do it. Got to do it. Find a way for me. Just I've got to get it in there somewhere. How many points do we get off Palace this season? Just wanted to remark to ask you guys. <laughs> Six big ones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I loved it. Let's do it again next year. <laughs> Definitely. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. Wicked. Thanks a lot, lads. Have a great weekend, all right? Yeah, you too. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye, bye. So there it is. Thank you again so much to Ross and Amir for coming on to the show. Um, we had a really great discussion, and honestly, it could have gone on for another like eight hours, I think. Um, we just have so much to talk about, and there's always so much going on at the Albion, and it was such a crazy-ass year. Um, there's just so much to talk about, and um, I'm absolutely sure that I'll be doing more podcasts in that format in the future. Uh, that was my first attempt at kind of a three-way Skype um, and it went swimmingly I'm sure you'll agree so uh, that's definitely something I'll be looking at in the future Um, and if anybody at all wants to come on the show and talk about their views their thoughts their opinions um, be it post-game be it during the summer transfer window be it anything 
um, you just you just drop me a DM, you drop me a just a regular Twitter email um, at togetherbha at gmail um, You can drop me a message on Instagram togetherbha. Uh, you can drop me a message on Facebook uh, together. A Brighton and Hove Albion podcast is on there too. Um, obviously, it's not very active on many of them, barring Twitter, simply because that's where I tend to get most of my interactions and that's where I really started out. So. Again, you want any kind of conversation, um, you just hit me up and we can we can talk about it on the airwaves and get it out to the people and let them see what you think. Um, we'll see when the next podcast coming out. Maybe it's next week, maybe it's not. Um, from now until kickoff, it's probably going to be a uh, podcast-by-podcast basis. Um, I don't really have anything set in stone as to when I'm going to be doing this again. So thank you all for listening. I will obviously be back at some point. Uh, probably sooner rather than later because there's always something to talk about at the Albion but again thank you for listening Uh, thank you for following me throughout this first year Uh, the podcast has grown insane amounts Um, my first couple of episodes started out at around 15 listens a show Um, and by the end of this show I believe that I'll be about at about 6,000 listens for the total season uh, which is beyond anything ever I thought was possible Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are getting like 15,000 views on Twitter and YouTube and stuff and you know there's there's a lot of really popular and really cool people out there that are talking about the album so the fact that I'm even getting a small chunk of uh, of people's ears listening to me is a huge compliment and uh, I just love the fact that we're able to do this um, so until next time have a good summer um, don't do anything I wouldn't do and like I said I'll probably be back next week anyway because there's always something to talk about <laughs> so have fun be safe that was fantastic